how do you hone in your craft? You must practice it every single day. You have to make it a priority. No excuses, period. You must make the right trade-offs. Whether you're a seasoned engineer or climbing up the ladder, there are always questions that come up. Asim Razak, founder of Yoda Scale and a leader at companies like PayPal and eBay, has lived them, survived them, and is here to share to help you get where you want to go. Stay tuned and check out the show notes for how to submit your questions for future episodes. Hello, everyone. My name is Asim Razak, and I often get asked by software engineers about how they can build a successful and fulfilling career. There is a lot of information out there regarding tips and tricks, but ultimately, it boils down to developing rare and valuable skills that set you apart from others. You have to be deliberate and disciplined about it. The reward is worth the effort. How do you develop these rare and valuable skills? Well, let's dive right in. I'm a big fan of Cal Newport's books, Deep Work, and his other book, So Good That They Can't Ignore You. Cal is a computer scientist by training and is a professor of computer science at Georgetown University. I highly recommend his books as they will provide you with a strong foundation in terms of approaching your career building. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of rare and valuable skills development in software engineering, let's briefly talk about a couple of key concepts that formulate the backbone of the recommendations that I will walk you through. The first is dispelling the myth that passion comes first and then the skills. There is a lot of advice out there to follow your heart and good things will happen. This is somewhat bogus. And before you get angry at me and unsubscribe from my podcast, let me illustrate. I have personally spent north of two decades as a software engineer and engineering leader. Those are the skills I've had to develop every single day of my professional career. Let's say I get really passionate about being a powerlifting coach. I have done powerlifting and I enjoy it, so why not? Well, how much time has a good powerlifting coach spent over the years to hone their craft. Perhaps decades every single day, coaching hundreds, maybe thousands of people. My skill level as a coach is early novice at best. I can pretend to be very passionate about it, but given my lack of coaching skills, it will not be very enjoyable, and the passion will likely fizzle out as I realize that I'm not very good at it. On the other hand, I really enjoy mentoring and coaching software engineers and engineering leaders. I'm passionate about this podcast since I have many, many years of skills development behind it. You get the picture. The bottom line is that you really need to invest into honing your craft before the real passion and enjoyment comes. It can definitely be a struggle getting on that journey. How do you hone in your craft? You must practice it every single day. You have to make it a priority. No excuses, period you must make the right trade-offs. Let's now jump into some of the foundational things you can do to develop the rare and valuable skills that can put you in the top 5% of software engineers out there. So let's start with finding opportunities to work with software engineers and leaders who have distinguished themselves in their craft. For me personally, the first startup that I joined, they were veteran engineers and engineering leaders that were there. They had a great track record in the field, and it accelerated my growth 
again, back to developing some of those rare and valuable skills that I was learning just being around them. Like, how do they approach problem solving? How do they take input? How do they design a solution? How do they iterate on certain things? I mean, it was just phenomenal being in the company of people who really, really have great attributes in terms of their craft, and they've been doing it for a while. And again, they're very passionate about it. Earlier on in your career, focus more on the kind of work you will do that helps you stand out and develop those rare and valuable skills as opposed to this chase around a big salary title, the hype around the company. And to illustrate, when I initially joined PayPal, I could have secured a better title and salary elsewhere. You know, I had a few years of experience and my skills were in demand. However, it was a tremendous opportunity to be a part of a team that was focusing on revolutionizing payments by enabling third-party developers to leverage PayPal's core capabilities. The scale at PayPal was many, many fold more than I had ever encountered. The security, performance, and reliability requirements were extremely challenging. The reward was a struggle to build a system that could withstand extreme scale and stay secure. So not a lot of people were able to gain that experience. It was difficult. It was challenging. There were highs and lows. There were tears, everything in between. But that's the situation I decided to put myself in, and I don't regret a single second of it. Work on side projects, ideally open source projects. Build something outside work that you are passionate about. There's a lot of open source consortiums out there, and you can find a project that sounds interesting. It's in line with your skills and capabilities, and you can make some meaningful contributions there. I have to say that I've not been the best at this in terms of contributing to side projects. I wish I had done more, but I have made some contributions to open source projects, including some Java server engines. But I do recommend that you find a side project and that you can meaningfully contribute towards. Go deep in a particular domain. So examples of this could be fintech, health tech, infrastructure, and the many different dimensions of it, whether it's from the business angle, whether it's the software layer, whether it's a core capability. So for me, I've honed my skills primarily around what you would call platform engineering. This is the software infrastructure layer. At pretty much every company, I was responsible for this layer. Additionally, I have accumulated domain expertise in fintech and commerce, which can lead to valuable context when developing software systems in those areas because you're better educated with respect to who the customer is, how these systems need to typically scale. And then based on years of experience, you can be quite valuable to the company. Specialize in skills that are in short supply. So we've heard about machine learning, AI, data engineering. These are all buzzwords, I know, but ultimately there is real demand for real experience that has been honed in terms of building these skills. So general software engineering, right? Building a three-tier system you have the front end, middle tier, back end. It's becoming commoditized. There are a lot of people globally that can put a basic three-tier architecture system in place. Practical, experiential work in AI ML, ML on large-scale data, you know, large-scale data engineering, developing highly scalable and secure APIs are some examples of more specialized skills that can truly put you in the top percentile of software engineers whose skills are going to be in high demand. For example, in my career, I have been somewhat of an expert in replatforming systems that have a lot of tech debt. 
it's not a skill you can just outsource to anyone out on the street, as it requires many years of experience and a very thoughtful approach to make it successful. There's many replatforming, replatforming, and refactoring projects that go south and fail. Get great at refactoring and turnaround. Speaking of refactoring, this is not easy. Most great opportunities out there absolutely need this. 95% of software development happens on existing systems. Take note of this. Greenfield projects are rare. Yeah, they can be if your company is starting, maybe there's an initial version, you're doing an academic project, you're doing a side project. So if you can become an expert in replatforming and large-scale refactoring, you will be very, very, very valuable to the business and the company. Most of these projects fail. And most software engineers, I'm sorry to say, tend to gravitate towards greenfield efforts as they are, on balance, easier and seem more exciting. So the next one is attend meetups and participate in hackathons to keep yourself sharp. You have to put yourself outside your comfort zone all the time. I know as software engineers, we don't like to network a lot of times, right? It doesn't come naturally to us. But again, if you want to build those rare and valuable skills, you have to be doing this. There are meetups on any topic you can think of. Network with others. Keep yourself sharp by participating in many hackathons spent sponsored by large companies, open source consortiums. There's a lot of hackathons that you can be a part of and keep testing your metal. The next one is if you want to get better at your craft, you have to practice it diligently. We started there in the beginning of the podcast. Nobody gets better by just reading blogs of great software engineers, browsing all the hacker news for hours. I mean, this is decent information, but you've got to code, iterate, redesign, code, iterate, redesign to keep getting better. And if you're not doing this as a software engineer, then you are that far behind. Think outside the box to be valuable to the business. Spend time understanding what the customer problem is and make sure your coding is in service of that. Increase your customer EQ and IQ. Increase your knowledge of that domain. I have always made it a point to learn from my business and product colleagues in every engineering role I have been in. It has made me a much better engineer and an engineering leader. Talk to customers to get it straight from the source. I mean, you can easily ask the customer support leader, maybe sales. You can get on some of these calls. I'm not saying spend days and days and months doing this, but this should be a regular part of what you do, regardless of what company you're at. The next one is to be a collaborator and a problem solver and not the complainer and fault finder all the time. And to kind of illustrate, early in my career, I always focused on reasons why something couldn't be done. I'm not proud of this. I'm not happy about it. And perhaps it's natural for a software engineer to look at the obstacles, bugs, and challenges. However, once I changed my approach, and again, thanks to my mentors and advisors and people who were supporting me around me, when I changed this approach to being a collaborator and always finding a way to solve the problem, it made me a lot more valuable to my team members and to the company. I'm not saying that you blindly say yes to the impossible. Of course, you have to look at the practical approach and see what's possible. But do lean into what is possible and talk about the trade-offs. Approach it from a point of teamwork and collaboration and solving the problem at hand. Own every aspect of your code. You must own every aspect of your code. This is code. This is very, very important for you to be that rock star software engineer. So whether it's the performance of your code, deployability of your code, reliability of your code, the quality, the cost, no matter what it is, 
take full end-to-end ownership. Don't, don't just throw it over the wall to say this is somebody else's problem. Don't just settle. This rigor and accountability, I guarantee you, will make you the 10x engineer. We hear about this 10x engineer concept, and those are the engineers who really hone in the craft. They have accountability. They own this. They own every aspect of it, and they want to make sure they go the extra mile to make sure the problem gets solved. So do this. Always surround yourself with people you respect and can learn from. I have been fortunate, actually, I would say very fortunate in this regard. I've had mentors and senior team members who took me under the wing and provided valuable feedback for me to grow. You must seek feedback. You cannot just put your head in the sand, in sand and just assume that you're the best, right? It's, you have to lower your ego somewhat and just always be thinking about what you could be doing better and different. And on that point, what I would say as, as the next point is have a growth mindset. I highly recommend Carol Dweck's great book, Mindset. We'll link this into uh, the show notes. And the mindset there is that don't be afraid to fail or take risks just because it wouldn't look good. Remember, you have to focus on developing rare and valuable skills and not care about what facade or superficial impression impresses people. Be authentic with respect to your goal of growing and learning and getting better at your craft every single day. In summary, rare and valuable skills are an outcome of years of discipline and deliberate practice and development. Don't squander away your time focusing on the shiny objects. Most advice from your friends and your network will not be in line with this. I'm sorry to say, it's natural for people around you to nudge you to follow the big title the big salary, that outward perception of that amazing company that's going to make it big, resist that temptation and stay true to your goal of growth and a growth mindset. And I guarantee you that down the road, with your skills development and your initial passion, your passion will increase many fold just because your skills would be at par where they set you apart and make you extremely valuable. Thank you for listening. And until next time, take care. Thank you for listening. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, just visit alwaysanengineer.org.